Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. Before you get into this next instalment, make sure you go online and check out the Dead Mammoth Coffee Company. Now, Dead Mammoth, not only is it a veteran-owned company, but their roaster order and their coffee is fucking brilliant. So make sure you go and check out the Dead Mammoth Coffee Company. Put in the promo code MILL15 at checkout and get 15% off. While you're at it, make sure you go over to Right Flank. Now, Right Flank not only produce some of the best sports apparel out there, but not only that, they have a support group as well for those that are suffering with PTSD, depression, anxiety, etc., etc. Or even if they just want to help out, go and see Right Flank and also see the Right Flank support. Once you're there, put in the promo code FLANKED15 at checkout and get 15% off your order. Welcome. If, like me, you suffer from aches, pains, you also have depression, anxiety, PTSD, eating disorders, sleep disorders, whatever the fuck, use CBD oil. Now, CBD is scientifically proven to help with all of those that I just mentioned. And the best out there and the best in Britain is Infusion CBD. Put in the promo code GRANITE15 at checkout and get yourself 15% off. You're welcome. Today is episode 70. We are smashing through all these episodes. This one is back to the old format, lone wolfing myself on my own. It's a good 45 minutes worth of me talking all sorts. So make sure you check it out. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe, follow me on all the socials, whatever. And if you enjoy it, hey, give me a little review. Who knows? Might make the podcast that little little much, a little bit bigger. Cheers again, troops. So, welcome to the Granite Zero Podcast. Welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. I'm about to uh, do this episode as a bit of a lone wolf. Um, it was going to be with uh, Little Brown. But uh, unfortunately, Little Brown is a busy motherfucker. Um, yeah, he's busy at work. He's busy with his own uh, podcast. If you haven't checked that out, make sure you do. Obsessive Conversive, um, which pretty much sums my brother up. Um, but yeah, so what I've decided to do is do a quick 20 minutes or so on the podcast by myself, old format, which we all know and love. And it gives me a chance to chat amongst myself, uh, talk about things that I want to talk about, (laughs) not what everybody else wants to talk about. Um, and 
basically, I like I like the sound of my own voice. I'm not gonna lie, you know. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a good week. It's been a good week. It's been a bit of, bit of a strange week as well, you know. I've been called a coward and a bigot. That's something new, especially for me. Uh, yeah, so a, a coward and a bigot I've been called this week. Um, basically, let's get down to it. So we have um, some travellers that like to park up on on the corner of the entrance, basically, to my, um, to my village. Now... I don't tend to have too much of a drama or an issue with travellers, pikeys, gypsies, whatever the fuck you want to call them. I don't, I don't tend to have a problem with them. Um, what I do have a problem with is their lack of uh, personal hygiene, for a start, the lack of courtesy towards others, and the lack of just general cleanliness. You know, those three things are huge, especially in the times that we're living in, in this fucking time of pandemic this time of horrendous horrific hideous diseases and viruses and other such crap that's going on you know for sure stay but take your rubbish with you yeah i ain't got a problem with that stay don't cause a mess don't break shit don't ruin the nature around you and take your rubbish, yeah? Pretty self-explanatory, I would say. Um, secondly, and most importantly, take a shit in a toilet. And you're saying to me, Tomo, what the fuck are you talking about? And I will tell you, right? They have literally taken a shit on the public path, right? Uh, another member of the village rode his bike through it. Actual human shit. Now, in my eyes, that's fucking foul. That's heinous. That is disgusting. Big time, right? Big time disgusting. In my eyes, and most people's eyes, I would expect. Um... But no, no, no. So it, it pops up on 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 the uh, on the Facebook, <laughs> on the on the Facebook. It pops up right, and it pops up. Oh, the travellers are here. And uh, obviously, most people pipe up. Oh, I don't like travellers. I ain't got a problem with travellers. Just so I'm saying, um, when they're courtesy, when they're courteous, right? But so I I should have left it. Should have left it. How about? They don't take a shit on the path. Pretty much that's all I said. I was bombarded. I don't know if these people are uh, from uh, gypsy descent or pikey descent or whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, I got attacked. I got attacked on Facebook. And I was the one called a keyboard warrior and a coward because I wouldn't go over and speak to the gypsies myself. Or the pikey, whatever they are, travellers. I'm sorry, I got I got better things to do. So all I did was don't shit on a path. Pretty obvious. Don't shit on the path. Yeah. And it was like, why are you so bigoted and 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 
I'm like, I'm not. I ain't got a problem with them. Feel free, roam the land. Put down gypsy entitlement. Traveler, traveler's rights, whatever. Use a public toilet or purchase a portable toilet and shit in that. I even, I couldn't help myself. I even put, I'm pretty sure in Afghanistan, they used a toilet. The locals. If they didn't, they would never shit on a public walkway. Yeah? It's fucking obvious to me. Oh, but yeah, so that, that was, that was a Facebook argument that I had this week, which was fun. Which was fun. Um, there's not much else really been going on. Um, I had, I got tagged in a nice post by, um, Chris Michaels, uh, from the Dark Side podcast. Um, basically, we went through what he called his, uh, hashtag my man truth. Yeah. And it's, it's a really good thing. And I, I, I posted mine out yesterday. I had some brilliant feedback on it. And, and, and thank you very much for those that, that did that. Um, but it's a huge thing for a, for a man, right? And I've been saying this since day one of the podcast. It's hard for men to show emotion, to show a vulnerable side, to show their real self. You know, they will do it at home with the missus. They'll do it with their mates every now and then. But most of the time, it is very much, I'm man. I do man things. I build fire. I cook on barbecue. I paint the wall. You know, it's very rigid, very structured. And if you show any sign of emotion, whether you're being sensitive or anything like that, you get the piss taken out of you or you get bantered by your mates, which is fine. Understandable. You know, I'm, I'm always at one for it. You know, I always give a bit of banter when banter is needed. Sure. Now, what I'm also about is now letting out that stuff. Yeah. So this is sort of me going through my post, right? So, most people know me as Tomo. I, uh, I'm Tomo. That's how I'd introduce myself. You know, very few people know me as Sean. Unless you're close to me. Not many people call me Sean. You know, those at work do, because obviously it's a bit more formal. Uh, my mum does, obviously. But most people call me Tomo. You know, it took a while for my missus to actually put me in my phone, uh, in her phone, as my name. And not, you know, Tomo. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I've always been Tomo, and that has always been sort of an alter ego, or a bit like in the movie Old School. You had Frank, who had his alter ego with Frank the Tank. You know, I was very similar. You know, I still am, I guess. You know, I'd be like, oh, I got a quiet little Saturday. I'm going to go out with the with the wife to Home Depot, you know, maybe Bed Bath & Beyond, who knows, might not have enough time, that sort of thing. And as soon as I have a beer, 
out with the lads, it then becomes two beers, three beers, four beers. And next thing I know, I'm pissed. I'm getting fucking aggro from the missus, etc., etc. <laughs> it's just the way it is. That is just the way it is. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit more chilled now. So we'll, we'll take you through through the through the story of Tomo, shall we? So I grew up in Hereford, as everybody knows. Yeah, a loving family. My mum, my dad, my brother. Very close to mum's side of the family, more so than my dad's side of the family, but still quite distant. You know, I wasn't um, surrounded by hundreds of cousins, hundreds of other random family members. I wasn't, I wasn't surrounded by that. You know, I had my brother, my mum, my dad, and my pals. Yeah. Uh, I grew up uh, very shy. I mentioned this on the last podcast with, um, with Shah. Um, on the Blondin Strog podcast. Uh, I grew up quite shy, quite reserved, uh, lacked a lot of self-confidence. Um, I wouldn't go out of my way to speak to new people. I wouldn't do any of that. So as you can see, the way I am now is a complete contrast from when I was a kid. And I was bullied as a, as a kid. You know, I was an easy target. I was short, I was skinny, had massive ears, massive teeth, you know, looked a bit like a mouse, you know. And I was an easy target. And that's what bullies look for. And and bullies have always got some sort of backstory. Um, or they try and say, well, I was a bully because of this. No, you're a bully because you're a cunt. Plain and simple. Um, bullies can fuck off in my eyes. I ain't got no time for them. You know, I, do, I don't, didn't like them growing up. Didn't like them in the, in the military. And I fucking hate them now. You know. And I always sort of kept that with me. Um, and I sort of came out of my shell and, and sort of blossomed uh, going more into the end of, end of uh, primary school into secondary school where I became more of a sports person. Um, I played basketball at a very high level. Um, I even played when I was in year seven, I played a year above in the Millennium Youth Games. Uh, when I was in year eight, I played for the year 11 team. Uh, when I was 12, I actually played for the Hereford Men's, in the Men's League uh, for the Tupsley Chargers. Um, and it was my way of expressing myself. I could be someone different when I was playing sports. A lot of people said I was very arrogant. Um, I would have said I was, I was actually showing confidence because I was confident in what I was doing. I was good at it. Uh, football, I wasn't always the best, but I always tried my hardest. I always played my best, the best that I could play. Um, and the same in rugby. I was naturally a better rugby and basketball player than I was football, but football always took priority. Um, that's how I was grown up. You want to play football. That's how dad told us to play. You play football. Even if you are better at other sports, you will play football, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I used to take that and use that as my confidence, yeah? Uh, I then uh, became a personal trainer at the age of 17, uh, 17, 18, when I was finishing up my um, college um, national diploma in sports and exercise science. And that was always a passion, you know, training new people, teaching new people the ways of the gym, that sort of thing. I know at the minute, don't really look it, not in fight shape, give me a break. Um, I mean, I'm in fucking lockdown shape, all right? Um, 
But yeah, that was a passion for me. Um, and I wanted to do that at the next level, which is why I went to join the Air Force as a PTI. Unfortunately, I'm part ape in my head and missed out on the aptitude test by, I think, two marks on each one. And I basically took the next um, physical, um, the, the next physically demanding job, which, which a lot of people are going to probably laugh at, but it's not a joke. I joined the RAF regiment. I joined the Air Force's infantry unit. Um, and contrary to a lot of beliefs from uh, members of the army, members of the Navy, the Marines, you know, it is very tough training. You know, we're only two, three weeks behind the, the Marines in their basic training. You know, we did um, 20, 28 weeks worth of uh, basic training. Then we did another further, I think it was eight weeks six to eight weeks i believe of uh advanced infantry training or field gunners as it was known in my day because i'm old now um but contrary to belief i wasn't it took me a while to adapt to military life uh the first four weeks were extremely hard i wanted to quit i wanted to come home didn't want to do it it took a number of uh conversations with the old man and my brother to basically give me that kick up the ass that I needed to get through the, the basic training. And once I did, my dream had come true. You know, I was in the Air Force. I'd done it. I followed in the steps, in the, in the, in the path of my grandfather who served in World War II. Uh, my dad, who had served 22 years, you know, I was now the third generation Thompson to put on the uniform, that one, you know, and I was proud of myself and it takes a lot for me to say that, but I was, I was proud of myself. Um, we went off, uh, we joined 15 squadron. We did the first tour of Iraq, which we ended up handing to the Americans. We closed it down. I was on the last ever, uh, <laughs> I say ever, but there's since been previous where more British forces there, but it was known as the last foot on the ground. We closed it down. We handed it to the Americans. I was on the last ever foot patrol. I was on the last ever Tesseral patrol of Basra airfield. We handed it over. I was on that. I did that. Second tour was CAF. And once again, we handed Kandahar over to the Americans, which again was a brilliant tour. I had some scary, scary fucking moments on that tour. Um, some fucking brilliant moments, some right laughs, smoking a cigar on Christmas Day um, with, with the lads, almost getting in a bit of a scrap with Dan, which was stupid. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, then there was Bastion and I was in the command centre. I heard that one of my buddies was shot, Priddle, shout out to you, son. Uh, and then I found out one of my other close buddies, my section commander on... on on B flight, uh, when I was on B flight, you know, was blown up in a, in a IED, lost both his legs, shout out to Robbo. Um, and it, and it was difficult. A lot of those things, a lot of people take for granted, you know, like I sort of mentioned last time, you're 21, 22, sometimes younger, 
you sign up, you go away on tour, and you basically step out, and you could die at any moment. Or you could get severe injuries. Um, and when you come home, you have a day of decompression, then they basically send you home. Deal with that, son. You know what I mean? And the, the idea that you're going out each and every day and you could possibly potentially die or get severely injured or one of your mates could die or get severely injured. You don't really process that until you leave, you know, and you wonder why you have all these fucking feelings and why people expect you to be normal, but you can't be normal. And they wonder why people like myself try and stick hold of that identity. Like I've got my uniform dotted about the fucking shedio. I've got, I've got my number one jacket. I've got the Iraq and Afghanistan flag flying up. I've got my medals over there. You know, I've got lots of military memorabilia. And that's because it was the time of your life. And it consumes you. You're part of a new family. And when you leave, you're not taught how to deal with that when you leave. Which is why there's so much depression. Which is why there's so many people with anxiety issues. Which is why there's so many people with PTSD. And a lot of people go, you probably haven't got PTSD. You've probably just got depression. Which is, in some cases, very true. And like I had when I first came out and started doing the podcast. You haven't got it. You're a Walter Mitty. You're faking. You're lying. It's, that's not the case, right? When you actually boil it down, and I sat down countless hours with, with therapists, going through the things that I saw, heard, witnessed, uh, the, the being unable to decompress after being away on tour. You know, you think you have, but you haven't. And they wonder why soldiers get home and don't know how to deal with these emotions. You're, you're on a fucking level all the time. All the time, you're up here, you're up here, you're up here. And then you get home and they're like, whoa. No, no, you can't do that. You can't, you can't do that, son. And they wonder why you come back and squaddies are a nightmare when they're out on the piss. Because we're always at that fucking state of readiness all the time. For sometimes seven months plus. And they expect you to come home and be normal. Or when you leave to be normal. I hate to break it to every member of the British forces, man or woman. We ain't normal. We ain't normal. There's a reason why we've got dark sense of humours. There's a reason why our banter is so close to the mark. There's a reason why we don't really give a shit when we say things to other people. Because... We're not normal. We signed up, but especially myself, I signed up to join the military. When I found out I was in the infantry, or going to the infantry, I wanted to go to war. I wanted to. This was before I had kids, by the way. Um, and, and the missus. I wanted to go to war. I wanted to get those medals. I wanted to go out and fire my rifle at people. I'm supposed to be normal. Ain't the case. And that's what we need to um, to really think about and really get to grips with. I've gone on a fucking tangent here. We're supposed to be talking about Sean, which is part, this is part of me. Um, 
But yeah, this is something we really need to get to grips with is how to transition from squaddy to civvy. Because at the minute, it's putting a fucking square peg in a circular hole. It ain't gonna fit. And they wonder why... I'm a prime example. You wonder why ex-squaddies jump from fucking job to job to job. Unless they come out and go into another job such as the fire department, police service, prison service, that sort of thing. They will jump and jump and jump and jump and they're not settled. Or they're in a job and they fucking hate it. Prime example. They fucking hate it. Because you're not part of something. You're not doing something that is memorable or worthy. And you're stuck. You'd give anything for them to go, we need you back. Not that it's going to happen, but hey, we need you. Tomo. Sean. Tomo Thompson. We fucking need you. That's not going to happen. But if it did, you'd be like, yes, please. Please. Because you miss the camaraderie, you miss the banter, you miss these fucking weirdos that you spent day in and day out with each other for years and years and years and years and years. That's the, that's the gen of it. That's the truth. That is gen. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, back, back, back to me, back to the story of me. So I joined up, as you know. Not normal. Like, when I say not normal, um, I had a lot of issues anger-wise. Anger I still do. I snap easily. I get angry quickly. Everybody knows it. Um, but when, I, when I'd when i go out uh, as an 18, 19-year-old, even when I started, when, even when I joined up, 20, 21, 22, 23, up until the point where I got Jess, Yeah. That's my eldest. I was a fucking nightmare. Even even I was worse when I when I was when I was serving because I thought nobody could touch me because I was fucking squatty. Uh, but I would actively go out and if someone was looking at me funny, I'd I'd say, "Hey, you're looking at me funny." And this is not me acting Billy Big Bollocks because I I I got pasted in a few times, sure. Um, but you learn a lot about yourself. In a fight, you know, whether you got the minerals to stay there and fight if you're losing it, whether you got the minerals to keep fighting, you know, there's many a time where I might have looked a bit fucking nuts. Uh, there was one time in particular where I was out in Hereford um, and there's a fucking lad gobbing off to me. And in my head, I thought if I kick fuck out of this guy, I'm going to get kicked off. Uh, basic training and I won't be allowed to um, continue or I'll get recoursed or whatever and that that stayed in my mind so this lad was fucking teeing off on me he's fucking hitting me a lot I had fucking blood gushing out my face my eye was all split um, the only thing I thought to do instead of being nor how normally I would just like just go nuts and start fighting um, but in the back of my mind I was like I'm gonna get kicked off this course so instead of thinking self-defense knock him out 
I took it and I did something pretty disgusting. Um, I was pretty, pretty disgusted with myself, if I'm honest. Uh, it was very similar to the Fight Club bit where he, well, basically I spat a load of blood in his face and said, if he's, if he's that hard, he's going to come and properly finish me off because he hits like a girl or something like that. So it's a bit like the fight club where he's going, come on, Lou, and all the bloods. Yeah, I was like that. Um, but yeah, it actually turned out that I got in the shit for not fighting back. <laughs> me! Um, but yeah, that, that was me. I loved to fight. Um, and it was something about the adrenaline buzz, uh, the feel of hitting someone really hard in the face, you know. Which is why I think I enjoyed boxing. You know, and having a bit of a structure around it was brilliant. It really was. Um, which is coming up to almost three years ago now, um, my boxing fight. But anyway, so yeah, that's pretty much me up until the point where I hit uh, my lowest. And I've told that story way too often. And started um, the Granite Zero uh, movement podcast, whatever you want to call it. But what I, what I, I touched on it, obviously, the transition phase from uh, squatty to civvy doesn't fit. And I think that's a huge thing that um, the veteran community um, really needs to work on, as well as those that are thinking of leaving and those that are serving that are supposed to be dealing with those that are leaving uh for example i i did a cp course i'm i'm close protection trained i haven't used it um because i haven't really got that sort of time in my life with the two girls misses you know i haven't got that time and the reason why i left the military was to spend time now going away for months on end weeks on end and only coming back for a small period isn't why I left the military. Um, so that's why I haven't done it. However, when I was going through my resettlement phase, it was, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'm thinking I'll probably go into security. It's one of the easiest things um, I could do. I don't have the greatest qualifications. I do have good qualifications. Don't get me wrong. I've got my eight fucking A to C's in English, math, science, and a few others. Um, I've got my three A levels in, in sports and exercise science. But I never thought to use those yeah so i was like i'll do security what's your close protection courses like and instead of me doing that uh, uh sorry instead of them saying oh right sean that's a good idea however have you thought about these courses or have a read into this book it will help you with this you know none of that it was like yeah all right cool We'll put you on this course. Done, dusted, haven't used it. You know? And, well, I say I haven't used it. I did sort of use it. I did surveillance for a good couple of years. And I did enjoy it until they started sending me all over the country. Again, that's not what I signed up for. However, very good job. I highly recommend it. Um, I used to go out and spy on fucking benefit cheats. Brilliant job. I'll go on to that another time um but yeah it's 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 been a it's been a tricky few years you know i've been 
I left in 2013. Yeah, 2013 I left. So, be coming up seven years this year. In that time, I've had... Which, one, two... I'm going to count those as two jobs because I was made redundant in one, three, four... I've had five jobs in seven years. You know, and that is the big, big fucking thing, is the, the being unable to settle. Being unable to settle and find that sense of community, that set, that brotherhood, that camaraderie, comradeship, you know, it's a big thing and it affects a lot of people up here in the fucking noggin. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people, myself included, you don't know how to articulate yourself or express yourself to get rid of these fucking thoughts and feelings in your head. It's a true statement. How It took me fucking a very long time to, one, admit I had a problem, two, deal with my problem, and three, air my problem, and four, actually go to the fucking doctor. Um, you know, I almost lost every fucking thing. You know, I'm very, very lucky. I'm a very lucky man that my wife fucking loves me. I don't know why, because I'm a fucking prick most of the time. Ah, well, not most of the time. I'm all right. But let's face it. I haven't been the greatest person to be around. I was emotionally closed off. I was angry. I couldn't articulate my way. My, my I couldn't. I, I was just quiet. I was angry. I was snappy. I would chat to girls. You know, I've been through that enough times. I've told you guys that enough. And it's. It's, I'm lucky that she could see that I was struggling with something and she would not let me suffer in, 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 in silence. She was always saying, you need to go and see someone. You need to get help. Phone your brother. Speak to, speak to Chris. Speak to Dan. Speak to Smudger. Whoever. Talk to someone. And if you listen back to episode one, now, that was a, a fucking long time ago now, or it seems like it. If you listen to episode one, I literally e-purged myself. I literally word vomited and had fucking mouth diarrhea for those, I think it was 40 minutes I was talking, 20, 20, 20 to 40 minutes somewhere around that region and I was fucking all over the shop and it was as though I just went fuck it and let it all out and as soon as I did I felt much much better that is a true fucking statement I felt much better yes throughout this uh, year's transition from uh, Sean to Sean Tomo Thompson the host of the Granite Zero podcast you know there's been Mostly ups, sure. I've had some brilliant fucking guests on the show. 
you know, big shout out to one Jack Shaw that's fighting in the UFC Fight Island coming up. He's fighting on that. So big shout out to Jack. Fucking love and support from the Granite Zero podcast. All of us fucking love and want you to do your best and win. So there's him. You've got Mason Jones. Man, when it when he when he first spoke to me, he was an up and comer. Now he's the fucking Cage Warriors lightweight champion, you know, and he's still getting better and better. So, and like I said, unbelievable ups. I've had these guys that I'd never even in a million years think that I'd ever get to have a conversation with, let alone feel as though I'm their mate. Um, and, but then I had those blips and those down moments where I, I sort of got lost in myself again where I was feeling negative for no reason. It just came over me. I was feeling negative, feeling upset, feeling unworthy, feeling shit, basically. Feeling like nobody really gave a shit about the podcast, about what I'm doing. And then I had to take that minute and think, why did I start the podcast? It's not for others. It's for yourself. If others are listening and take something away from it, brilliant. But it's for, it's for you. It's your journal. It's your journey through all this. You're getting these guests on. You find out what makes them tick. You find out this and that. It's helping you talk. It's helping you get open. It's bringing positivity back in your life. And that's what I needed. And that's what everybody needs. That's suffering from... PTSD, depression, anxiety even if you've got fucking eating disorders and sleep disorders talk about it talk about it you know trust me proof that it fucking works the reason why I'm drinking water by the way is one, water is fucking brilliant need more water in your life Two, I've had far too many coffees this morning um, because I had to be teacher dad today. Um, I had to take the girls through their homeschooling stuff, which I haven't done on my own yet. And it was all right. It was all right. I couldn't be a teacher, though. Fuck that noise. Um, yeah. Um, what else did I have on my agenda? you ask pretty fucking simple right today is uh july 7th so 7 7 so it's the anniversary of the um july bombings the 7 7 bombings in london now it's hard to believe that this happened 15 years ago but what's harder to believe in my eyes is that this doesn't get talked about half as much as other attacks and I, and I know that there's other attacks out there that ve barely get mentioned barely get mentioned and I mean you know the they're like the attacks in fucking in France Belgium I haven't heard a thing about them in in since it happened you know everyone turned their fucking profile picture to fucking the flag Sure. But, you know, 
with all that's been going on in the world, you know, over these last few weeks, the pandemic and uh, the Black Lives Matter movements, um, everybody going fucking bonkers and going to the beach, um, being locked down, all of that, you know, we take a lot for granted. And what I was going on about was the 7 7 bombings was a huge, huge thing. It may not have killed as many people as 9-11. However, it was still a fucking huge terrorist attack on the capital of the United Kingdom. The capital of England. And it's like, oh, it's all right. We're English. Stip up a lip. Fuck that. You know, these people should still be mourned. Should still be thought about. Should still be having posts about on this day. You know, everyone is forever putting up the fucking picture of the lights. Of, of, the, of the Twin Towers. Sure, obviously. That was a huge, big deal. Of course it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. 7-7 seven, seven is on par. And I, I do it every year. I always put a post up. I'm always saying, you know, I wish more people would talk about this still. It was a massive deal, man. Massive deal. 7th of July, 2005. You know, a lot of people lost their lives. A lot of people injured. And there was a lot of people that stood up and was counted that day and gave life-saving first aid to people those those people that were first people on scene those people that were um like trained first aiders that just happened to be there there, there was a guy that fucking saved a bloke's life because he used his belt as a tourniquet all those sorts of things man more and more people need to be taught these first 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 person on scene sort of first aid traits there's not enough people doing it. There's not enough people on these courses. And, you know, I know uh, three people that are first person on, train, uh, on scene trained. Three. That's it. I only know three people. You know, I, I might know more, but the three that I know is myself, uh, Dan Shipper, and Chris Dunn. You know, I did mine... Um, 2013 so i'm probably slightly out of date um however i've asked countless times to go on uh refresher courses i'm still waiting which is disgusting um and I, I just think it's something that a lot of people would benefit from and it's obviously the instructors are going to have to have to get paid and things like that but my god you know <laughs> Basic first aid is one thing. First person on scene, you get to learn the ins and outs of all these intricate things. You know, like you go on a you go on a first aid course, and the first thing they obviously you do the ABC and all that sort of stuff. We were always told taught the the CABC, obviously catastrophic bleed first, obviously. But I don't know if 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 I spoke to my missus and going, well, I've collapsed. What are you going to do? She doesn't fucking know. No offence to her, but she doesn't know. You know, and you would think 
for for example, for my missus, she's a hairdresser and her boss has got a, a severe fucking heart condition. You would think that the people in the fucking shop should know some sort of fucking first aid. I'm pretty sure her best mate don't know it, and nor do the other women that work there. You know, it, it's a huge thing. And how many more lives could have been saved during those bombings and things like that if more and more people were fucking first aid trained? How many people, right, when you're at work and you get told you're going on a first aid course, do they go, oh, fucking hell. Boring. It's not fucking boring. It's needed. Like, I'm lucky, like, I went and did my first aid in the Air Force, which you have to do. I then did a battlefield medics course, so it was an advanced sort of medic stuff. Did that, came out, and I did my first person on scene. You know, and we were always constantly getting updated and updated, updated. I haven't been updated since I left, but my I've got three A levels in it, so I'm sure I can crack on. <laughs> I'm sure I still know certain things. There might be some updates that I need to know, but that doesn't mean I don't know stuff. I'm also qualified in sports injuries, but that's another matter. Um... But yeah, um, this episode has been a, a bit higgledy-piggledy, but that's how I like to do it. It's my show. I can do what the fuck I want. Um, yeah, but to summarise, you know, this this episode, it's been nice sitting here just expressing all the fucking stuff in my head. Uh, but yeah, to summarise, you know, pikeys, travellers, gypsies, whatever you want to be called, pick up your fucking shit. Two, squaddies and veterans aren't normal, yeah? And three, let's fucking celebrate the lives of those that were lost during the September, uh, the July bombings, the 7-7 bombings, you know? And let's try and be better humans by doing things like first aid courses, helping out people that are struggling mentally, you know? I, I had to sit down and speak with Jess, yesterday about why I have to take antidepressants and what is wrong with my fucking head and why I call them happy pills. That was a tough conversation, but it's a conversation we had to have. She was asking the questions. I'm not going to lie to her. You know, I was saying, look, as an adult, things get on top of you. Um, daddy's done things and seen things that most people haven't. Daddy's been in high, high stress situations that he has been unable to deal with. Daddy left several jobs because he can't settle daddy can't process his emotions properly so i need to be balanced that's why i take these pills that's why i do the podcast and she was like oh that's why you got a podcast oh that makes sense bless her um but yeah that is that um but yeah that, that's a good 45 good 45 minutes of me talking it was only supposed to be fucking 20 ah that's just to myself so stand by the next guest that I have, because it's going to be three fucking hours. Uh, maybe, if I don't get in the shit. But yeah, um, once again, as always, troopers, thank you very much for um, listening in on me ramble on and, and talk shit. I say talk shit. Most of what I've been saying is good stuff. Um, so make, if, I, if I say anything that is, is, is decent and you take it on board, please let me know. Um... If you're a new new subscriber, a new listener, anything like that, 
please give me a fucking review. Give me a fucking comment. Let me know. Share the share the shit out of the podcast. It helps people realize that it's okay to talk about stuff. And we're all one team. And it's all one effort. It's all one effort, guys. Yeah? Um, but yeah. Cheers for coming to the show. Thank you very much. I've been Tomo. This has been the Grand Zero Podcast. I'm out.